Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, guys, we are in Back to Church Sunday, week two. And uh, I just want to thank you for all those who came last week and you came again this week. God bless you for coming. All of you who've been inviting, I pray you continue to invite. And God is doing something. God is stirring something. You know, last Sunday, there were quite a few responses to giving their life to Jesus or rededicating their life to Christ. And in all of that, there comes, I don't know why, but I've seen this throughout the decades, that some folks, when they do this, all of a sudden there's this struggle that comes upon them. They went to the altar, they gave their heart to the Lord, and all of a sudden they they prayed that prayer, and all of a sudden there's this struggle. And they're like, what's going on? I mean, I was better off before I did that, that give my heart to Jesus thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I just, yeah? Well, the rest of you, God bless you. (laughs) See, being set free from the cure of the law, which is that, that thing of sin that overtakes my life, that if it has its way eternally, it's going to take me to damnation. But when the blood of Jesus cures me from the law, it doesn't mean that I'm immune from the word curses of life. Have you heard of that? Have you heard of word curses? Her name is Jennifer LeClaire. She wrote a great book on on spiritual warfare. And she writes about the Bible telling us the power of life and death are in the power of the tongue. We know that out of Proverbs. A word curse is essentially the power of death emanating toward you from someone's tongue. Whether intentional or not, a word curse works to inflict harm on your body. It works to damage your soul. Otherwise, it works against God's plan in your life. Folks, the enemy of your soul can use those well-intended people who actually might even love you to bring a word curse upon you. And they didn't even know it. You can release a word curse upon yourself. Did you know that? A word curse can take the form of an insult. It could be a false accusation. It could be a judgment like name-calling or labeling somebody. It can be a confession of death over your life, over your career, over your finances, your ministry, your relationships, anything you care and love. How about your dream? See, many word curses sound like this. I never dot, dot, dot. I always dot, dot, dot. He or she never dot 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 he or she always dot 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 or how about he or she is so dot 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 you get the idea when people just say those real mean ugly things 
about you or people you love, it's a word curse. And James uh, chapter 3 tells us that the tongue is an unruly evil that's full of, listen, to deadly, it's, it's full of deadly poison. Wow. I mean, what strong words that James is using right here. When we curse anything, we speak ill of it. Think about this for a minute. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, He went up to get a fig and there was no figs on it. So He cursed the fig tree. They came back the next day. and What happened to it? It had withered and died. My son told me about a study that has been done where they took these plants and they had three groups. Group one was a control group, did nothing to it. The next group was the negative or the curse, word curse group. And the third one was just the positive I love you group. (laughs) You guys already know the outcome. It was just nominal, marginal, nothing on the control group. On this one, everybody got the same amount of sun. Everybody got the same amount of water. And on this group, he just cursed it. He just said everything ugly and mean about it. And the other one, he loved and cared and encouraged. It was amazing. This was wilting and dying. And this one was expounding in growth compared to the first group. Your words have power. And what you say about yourself and what you say about others can bless or it can curse. Word curses from authority figures in our lives. It carries more weight on us, obviously, because we put more stock in it because it's mom, it's dad, it's a coach, it's a teacher. It's somebody we care and love and look up to. And as youth, when our parents continually tell us we don't measure up, that we'll never amount to anything, those curses tend to linger. And what's horrible, if we don't deal with it, we'll pass it on to the next generation. And those curses need to be broken. In Proverbs it says, as a man thinks... In his heart, so is he. And it's just true. Have you ever seen, you know, the the kid who's got the A++, he's always GPA 4.0, 4.5. I mean, they're just always super smart. When they go in to take a test, do they look nervous? No, give it to me. I want to see how fast I can do this. Isn't that interesting? And the kid who's struggling just to get a C minus, they're like, (laughs) you know, they're looking at the little, you know, cheat sheet as long as they can until they get it. Why? Because as you think in your heart, so are you. And it comes out. Folks, what we believe is more important than what anybody else says about us. Your mom, your dad, somebody you look up to may have said something really mean and horrible, but you don't have to accept it. But what you say about you, that's what matters. So what have you been saying 
for the decades. What do you really believe in the decades of your life? I wonder, do they match what God says about you? See, in breaking the word curse, it it means that we need to do two specific things. So if you want to take a couple notes, do yourself a favor and do it. Number one, we need to repent. If you have cursed yourself by what you've said about what you are, which doesn't line up with God, Marvin needs to repent. You need to repent. What does that mean? This is interesting, the word repent. Okay, The prefix, which is R-E, means to return back to its original place or original state. The word pent is kind of like where we get the word penthouse. Where's the location of a penthouse? At the highest point of the building. So God is trying to say what? Go back to your original high place with me. Get up! We think you need to repent, you scuzz bucket. Get down low and get ugly. God's saying the opposite. Get rid of that and receive the glory of the Lord. Watch Him elevate you. Watch Him bring you up. I need to repent. What does that mean? Change the way. I will never, I can't, I got nothing. Get rid of that and receive what He says about you. You're the child of the King. You can do all things through Christ. Ain't nothing impossible with Him. The next thing you need to do is renounce. Renouncing all word curses, whether they came from you or whether they came from somebody else or whether they came from somebody you don't even know. I remember playing sports and the bozo up in the stand screaming and yelling at me, calling me a loser. I said, come on down here and put on some shoulder pads, buddy. See, If you let all the ugliness of the world come in, it's going to change what you believe about yourself. And as a man thinks in his heart, as a woman thinks in her heart, so she is. So he is. You need to pray against those dark words that have come against you throughout your whole life. Or even today or yesterday. Folks, I'm going to ask you right here, right now, would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I'm going to ask everybody to pray this out loud because the truth is each and every one of us need to pray this. In the name of Jesus, we repeat after me, in the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb, I break every curse, every vex, every hex, every spell, Every family curse or the like that has or is coming against me, against my family, against my spouse, my business, my ministry, my finances, my relationships, against my body, my soul, my spirit, and in everything. Related to me, in the name of Jesus, be bound. In Jesus' holy name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen.
Now that Jesus has redeemed you from the curse of the law, like what we did last week, being made a curse on the cross for me, for you, when Jesus went up there, he paid the penalty for the curse. It's paid for. Do you know what that also means? It means that you have been given authority to pray the prayer we just prayed. Because we're praying in the blood of the Lamb. We're praying in the name of Jesus. Not Marvin. Guarantee you that ain't enough. Not Chris Ward. That ain't enough. Not Dave Payne. That ain't enough. Not Roger Stafford, but that T.F. Hutton stuff over there. But that ain't enough. Why? We ain't enough. But I can do all things through Christ. Who strengtheneth me. You see the difference? We can break that, not because of our power, but because of His and what He has done. Now, the Bible tells us that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And no matter if you're a new Christian or if you're a veteran believer, There are two disciplines that are imperative to a strong walk with God that will take giving your life to Jesus, rededicating your life to Jesus. If these two disciplines don't come in, that struggle we talked about at the beginning of this message, it's going to overtake you. First, there'll be a struggle, and then there'll be temptation. Then before that, there'll be activity and action in your life and thoughts in your heart, and you're going, oh my gosh, this is really whacked. I'm messed up. I'm worse now than I was before I gave my heart back to the Lord. So these two disciplines, they're very critical. Sometimes we think all we need to do as Christians is just show up on Sundays. And not enough. Not enough. Can you imagine if pro athletes only showed up for playing on game day? You think anybody would go watch them? Why? They would stinketh. You know what I'm saying? They would be out of shape. They wouldn't be coordinating. One guy's making an an out when he was supposed to make an in. And they would all be going in the wrong direction. The defensive guys are showing up on the offensive line. It would be a nightmare. Why do we do that in the Christian world? Church isn't enough. Praise God you come to church. But if we want to make it to the all-stars... If we want to make it over those temptations, if we want to make it over the struggles inside our souls, if we want victory over the word curses, these two disciplines are very critical. The first one is pray. And the next one is be a student of the word. Now, one of the reasons we find ourselves stagnant and discouraged is because of the The truth is the stressful things of our world. I mean, there's war and there's conflict and there's all these ugly things all over. And we see sickness and we see disease. We see the overstimulation of the internet and on social media. Folks, we feel anxious. We're overwhelmed. The finances, there's so much more month than there is a paycheck. 
Life can be hard. And the Bible tells us we don't have to let those outside forces crush us. We've been given supernatural help. Look at this verse, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Did you catch that? Don't worry about anything. But we Christians want to say, yeah, I won't worry about anything except this, this, and this. Oh, just me. I don't know. You guys don't all do that. All right. Paul invited the readers to let go of anxiety and place their trust in God. He told them, don't be anxious for anything. Don't worry about anything. That means we should give the big and the small things to God in prayer. Now, some of us, we can kind of get intimidated by prayer. You know, I can't pray like that, you know, that pastor guy. I can't pray like, you know, that elder guy. I, I don't know if I can pray like that. Um, can you talk? Only qualification. You're good to go. That's it. He just wants you to have a conversation. I really like how, how we can really learn things from these kids who write. These kids had an exercise of writing something to God, and they, they wanted to let him know what was on their mind. So here are some of the things that these kids said. I think this was like a little girl said, I didn't think orange went with purple until I saw the sunset you made on Tuesday. That was cool, God. If you watch me in church on Sunday, God, I'll show you my new shoes. I, I bet it is very hard to love everyone in the whole world because there's only like four people in our family and I'm having a hard time loving all of them. <laughs> Thank you for the baby brother, God, but I think you got confused because what I really wanted was a puppy. Hey, just talk to him. Just talk to him. If you're a grandparent, you know what it's like to talk, talk to those little ones. And they say the funniest things. And don't you think the Lord feels the same way about us? See, God invites us to speak to him just like we would talk to a friend. He calls us friend. Just talk to him. If there's a tear, that's okay. If there's a smile or some bit of laughter, that's okay. But be in his presence. Another discipline that helps us grow is reading and studying the Bible. Now, God gave the Bible as a gift to help us live our lives with wisdom, with discernment, and with confidence. When we study the Bible, we learn from the heroes of faith as well as the failures of those same heroes. Did you know that not all those heroes were perfect people? That they all messed up? David took out the giant, but then he killed the husband of the wife he had adultery with. Hello? That's as real as it gets. God didn't hide anything from us. It's there. The book of Hebrew gives us insight in, into why an ancient book can have such a powerful effect. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The word of God, 
The, the stuff on the pages in the Bible, yes. It's alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The more you read the Word of God, the more the Word of God reads you. Oh, you got to think on that one for a second. The more I'm reading the Word of God, the more it exposes, the more it reveals me to me. And I see what's wrong. Why do you use a mirror? To see if you got a goober on your face. You want to find that thing that's out of place. Fix my hair. Do my mascara, ladies. Fix the lipstick. The Word of God is a mirror. It shows me all the places that are messed up that need attention. Wow. Not to condemn, but an opportunity to fix. Just like a mirror. I mean, the Bible, it's not like any other book. It's a living document. I mean, it was put together by 40-some different authors over 1,500 years on three different continents, and it all weaves together beautifully. Beautifully. Why? Because there was one master author of it all, God the Father. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, I think it just kind of just nails it. All Scripture is inspired by Marvin. Hello? All Scripture is inspired, say it with me, God. And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Like a mirror. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. I love what this 19th century evangelist, he was a preacher by the name of Gipsy Smith, and he once told a man who said he had received no inspiration from reading the Bible, had read it many times, and got nothing from it. And Gipsy said to him, why don't you let the Word of God read you this time and then see how it inspires you or not? See, he went in with a critical eye to find something wrong in the Bible instead of allowing God to reveal to him what was going on in him. Your approach to reading is very important. In our life journal, one of those things that says at the bottom of the journal pages is, how will I be different today because of what I just read? See, that's, that's the attitude, the heart of how I should be when I go to, to spend time in the Lord, with the Lord in the Word. I like what Paul told this young minister, Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Don't get caught up in the... Did Adam and Eve have a belly button or not? Who cares? Do you understand how you can get totally messed up by arguing about things that really don't matter? Instead, train yourself to be godly. Train. 
train. That's the imagery of an athlete, a boxer, a, a runner. There's, this is very disciplined life. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You know, all this work we're doing in the discipline of prayer, in the discipline of studying the Word of God, that actually gives us dividends when we get into eternity. Kaboom! Yes! He's not ignoring anything that we do for the sake of the kingdom. I mean, Paul was giving Timothy this advice for, for how to root himself in the things that really matter. Things that would have an impact on this life on earth as well as in heaven. And Paul was calling that training. It is important to give yourself some grace, folks. As you begin to make prayer and studying the Word of God a priority, you're not going to be able to lift a ton of weight at first. For those of you who years ago, you remember being an athlete and you're, you're on the bench press and you're going, boom, and there's only five pounds on each side of the bar. <laughs> and you're like, that's messed up. Well, hang in there, buddy. And before you know it, you can be doing some massive weight, some big weight. But it takes that discipline. You may start off praying and start off doing reading and you're like going, man, I, I just I read maybe half a chapter. That was all I could do. But you did it. And, and you prayed. Now, now do it again tomorrow. Whatever it is, just start. And before you know it, you're taking the fives off and you're putting tens on each side. And before you know it, you're taking those off and you're putting 45-pound plates on each side. Before you know it, you got three plates on each side. You, you can, see what I'm saying? It just keeps going. But if you don't do anything, it won't be long and you won't even be able to do the five pounds per side. And even the bar will be too heavy. Give yourself some grace. But just start. Make sure you pray every day. Make sure you go get, get uversion.com. It's an app. And, and go in there and find an app that inside there, there's this thing called Life Journal. It has all reading plan. And just start with it. Make sure you do all your reading. Before you know it, you're going, hey, Pastor, can I get one of those Life Journals? I want to start doing the Life Journal. And you'll start journaling. How often should you journal? As often as you can and repeating it every week. If it's only once a week, then just do once a week. Then twice a week. Whatever you can do, continue to increase whatever God shows you. I, I, I think there's an 11th commandment in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 17. To the one who knows what he should do and does not do it to him, it is sin. Whatever the conviction of... See, I just believe... I'm crazy as a pastor. I believe God talks to you. The world says no. Why? Why wouldn't you talk to your own kids if you're God? Of course He talks to you. He'll tell you how much to read. He'll tell you how to go about it. Father, I pray for Your people. I pray You encourage them. It's a serious world we live in. 
where there's word curses that have plagued us many times for our whole lives. It stopped today. We broke it in the name of Jesus. And now, Lord, we can lift with our head up high, our chest up, our shoulders back, proud because of what Jesus did on the cross and what He's doing in us and through us. Now, Lord, help us to be disciplined, to be intentional about praying and reading the Word of God. For those journaling the Word of of God, there's nothing like what the pen does. The pen makes the heart precise on paper. Oh God, I pray, bless Your people. Bring healing to them, body, soul, and spirit. Encourage them to be evangelistic, to to invite people to to church, to invite people to come to their house, have a cup of coffee, and, and maybe just have a short little Bible study. Oh God, bless Your people for the sake of the kingdom. Lord, anoint them, equip them, bless them. Increase their finances. Bless their families. Lord, the many generations to come, We're so grateful for all that you've done for us. Now help us, Lord, to be about your great commission to go into all the world and share the good news. Your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.